It's Sunday, September 27th, 2015, and you're listening to episode 23 of Roll Up and Die. Chewy, we're home. Andre Martinez, why are there three of you in Skype's version of Man, the United States of America? I have no idea. I'm sure that at one point in time, I was like, <laughs> it was important for me to do that. But no, I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I found both of your pictures and they're both different photos, but they're both in like a really nice noir black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I like, don't know. I'm sure I, was, I know I was using Skype like four years ago when I was playing with Aaron, uh, and that was about it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a uh, this is a new thing for us too, but it's super finicky uh, yeah, in my yeah. opinion. But yeah. Uh, so, if the listeners haven't realized, Matt Click from A Fistful of Dice is not here because apparently after a wedding you go and you like go on a honeymoon or something. I don't I don't get it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but where is he gone? That's the real question. Where is he? He's gone on a road trip, and I will include the exact map quest in the show notes so people can go find him. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah, we yeah. can uh, and make make it a game. They can kind of track him across the country. <laughs> tap into tap into webcams, you know, geocaching. Right. That's right. <laughs> Geoclicking. <laughs> That's a new thing. We're going to start. Hashtag geo. But uh, we need to, you know, the last time Matt wasn't here and we were doing this podcast, uh, it was early in the morning. Yeah. I was tired. My coffee tasted like vinegar. I, my soul tasted like vinegar. Uh, And, uh, and I think this one's going to be better. I think that this podcast has got to be better. We got the lights and sound ready. Yeah, we got the explosions oh, ready to go shit. off at the right. Matt's not here. Did, did did we put up a question on the? Uh, yeah, no, we're going to use. The the <laughs> Do you see how important Matt is? I know. If he's not here. <laughs> the entire show falls apart. No, yeah, no, we're going to use the the question from last week. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, that makes basically, sense. Basically, all right, yeah, all right. Basically, I panicked for a minute. So. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry now. I know. Oh shit! Is Matt? Matt's not here, Matt. Dude, we're like two minutes into the podcast so already. Oh what no, Matt's not here. What do we do? But uh, actually, we have a pretty awesome guest today uh, that is uh, jumping in uh, for Matt. Specifically, we chose Andre because uh, today's topic is technology in a sci-fi setting. Yep. And uh, we'll, I'm sure. Do a, a fashionable segue into that later, but for now, Andre <laughs> Martinez, uh, talk about yourself. Talk about what you do. Uh, talk about, uh, especially uh, Star Wars: The Tides of Change. Uh-huh. Uh, this awesome sci-fi project that you've been running for a while that's getting bigger and it's bigger a, and yeah, bigger. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, dude. So, uh, yeah, give us the rundown and give the listeners a rundown of what that is. Okay, so my name is Andre. Obviously, you know that already. But uh, basically, I'm just a gamer and. Uh, what I do is, uh, and I guess I'll just start off with the Star Wars thing because I think that's uh, a little bit more prevalent to the subject matter. Uh, um, you know, what we do is, and it's not me that does it alone. Uh, about a couple of months ago, I thought of, I was watching 
various uh, role-playing sessions on YouTube. And I just really, I, I love watching sessions, but there was a point in time where I was yelling at my computer screen saying, no, do this. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had that moment where I was like, well, why don't we just do a game where the viewers can do that, where they can select and make a choice on behalf of the players. So um, at the time, uh, I was watching Runeslinger's uh, Star Wars videos mm. a lot, and, yeah. I, and I was starting to gain interest. And I was flipping back and forth between uh, playing Ubiquity, because I had just gotten the Hex game from, uh, from Brigade Con. And I was like, I, got, I, got I want to play this. But then that, when I really started thinking about the new movie for Star Wars was coming out, the lore is so... I mean, the lore is so easy to get down because Star Wars is so close to near and dear to our hearts, you know? Yeah, yeah man. That it was like, it was just a natural you don't, thing. You don't have to tell me twice, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows. I have an argy-bargy for Star Wars already, man. You've been talking about it for two minutes already. <laughs> so, yeah, I, was, I, I just thought about the subject matter. I was like, you know, this is... This is a very intuitive setting for everyone, and everyone loves it. So let's just start. Mm -hmm. Let's start creating something where the audience can affect the role play of the game. And then I, yeah, I, I started searching for players. I had already played with Steve, so I was like, Steve's going to be in it. And then I just started mm -hmm. looking around, and then I found Be a Better Game Master, and I started watching your shit, and I was like, Whoa, I want him to play. So I, I sent you a, a PM, and I was like, Barker, can you play in my game, please? <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing because, like, and this, there's nothing else like this. Because, you know, online gaming has taken, has, it's exploded. Mm, Everybody's yeah. gaming online now, and Google Hangouts and Skype, and that's just a huge thing, and everyone knows it. But uh, this game, and you can totally find it on Facebook, Star mm -hmm. Wars The Tides of Change, uh, but, like, halfway through the game that Andre has playing for us, will take like a 10 minute break. And during that 10 minute break, he will go on the Facebook page and he'll post a poll. And I'll take a step back actually first is before we go on the break, everybody who's playing, you know, in this case, there are currently three of us in our campaign, uh, will all like monologue a potential change that could happen. Like, uh, and, and only one of them gets to happen. But all hmm. three of these potential changes that will happen during the game session go into this poll that Andre creates on the Facebook page. And during the break, everybody who's watching goes on the page and they vote for the one that they want. And then this dude, improv master extraordinaire, no. when we get back from our 10-minute break, all of a sudden, that change, that one, whatever had the highest votes, that's what we're doing now. And it's, it's like... It's like a role-playing game for us and a choose-your-own-adventure for everybody else who's watching. Mm. It's genius, and it's so fun. Yeah, I, I spoke to Steve about it, and he said that there were other people doing something similar on Twitch. And he said, but the problem with that was that it was extremely chaotic. There was no, it, mm. wasn't a, it wasn't confined to you know, a small group or at least a Facebook page where you could regulate the votes and you could see who was yeah. voting. Everybody's just blast voting this thing. So I said, okay, well, you know, that, that, that doesn't sound like what we, we want to do at all. And, no. um, and it works. It works, it works out good. Um, but I must confess, I'm improving from the beginning all the way to the end. <laughs> I, 
I must confess that all that improv you love in the second half, yeah, I do it all the time. Uh, it's not. Yeah. It's not. I mean, that's it, not bragging, honestly, because it's really hard. Because mm-hmm. um, if you, I, I mean, for those who actually take the time to actually watch what's going on, we have seven running campaigns, and all of the campaigns interconnect. So there's, we actually, yeah. we're at a point right now where campaign four and six have collided, and we have two player groups that are now playing with each other and eventually they'll, they'll separate or, and so on and so forth but there's plot interdependencies within every campaign so barker's mm-hmm. campaign there's like three campaigns hunting for barker right now and <laughs> you know so I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a lovely guy everybody wants a piece of jet <laughs> right jet cavino he's the man <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's fun it really is and, and i'm mm-hmm. really humbled by the experience and i i you know i have to thank you barker because I think that without you, Steve and John and Matt, because really Matt was the one that helped me kick oh, it off. He you know? kicked it off, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, if it wasn't for you four guys, I mean, there just wasn't, there, there wouldn't have been an interest because it would have just been me like with four people watching me saying vote, you know. Uh, but I think, I think that uh, <laughs> you, brought, you brought a specific audience that, that, that you know, liked what was going on and it's it seems to be doing well so thank you very much man man no no problem at all man honestly it's it's a blast and like you i love gaming and you know that's something Gothnock can relate to as well it's just it's a it's definitely just a fun experience and um and it totally fits into tonight's uh or wait this morning's or depending on what time you're listening to this Easter, happy Easter, if it's April when you're listening to this. I mean, uh, uh, we'll get all the holidays in there. No, but it totally fits into the subject that we're talking about. Uh, This is part two of technology in your role-playing game. The first part we were talking about putting technology into your fantasy game. Yeah. The next part, this part, is now uh, technology in your science fiction game. And uh, Gothnog. Yes. I've run a sci-fi game. Andre's run a sci-fi game. Have you ever run a sci-fi game? I have, in fact. Uh, uh, was it sci-fi uh, the most, horror? No, the most recent one. I, the most recent one I ran was uh, uh, a a game in the Firefly universe uh, oh. using the Fate system. Ooh. And uh, and that that worked out, that worked out really fun. Um, it was it was actually funny. Cause it was it was kind of a blend between the Firefly universe and the Riddick universe, which in in my mind are the same universe. I, ha- I have this whole kind of backstory where, you know, all these these uh, fugitives left Earth when it was used up, and and uh, there was a conflict about halfway there, and some of them split off and went to the Riddick universe, and others went to the uh, the verse we know from Firefly. So uh, anyway, uh, I uh, yeah. So that was my most recent. Uh, uh, experience running one and then before that i played in um a traveler uh campaign nice. with uh, uh with the infamous same old g and uh, uh as the gm and it, it was a, a really you know awesome experience there too we unfortunately we didn't record any of those he wasn't comfortable with it but uh it was a it was a great campaign nonetheless and so yeah i'm, I'm a big fan of sci-fi i love uh in the old days i used to run star trek all the time uh, I love the the Star Trek um, universe and mythology, so I, I would you know I ran that for a long time. So yeah, I've, I've run quite a bit of sci-fi, you know, in the past. Not as much lately. 
See, well, and you just named what the the Firefly. You named Riddick. We we're, we're, we already talked about Star Wars. You talked about Star Trek. You're talking about Traveler, mm-hmm. and you know we're talking about technology. And when you think of science fiction, almost always the first thing you think of is outer space. Uh, even mm-hmm. though that's not you know traditionally that's not always the case, but especially science fiction, you know, in a more modern sense, we think of space, we think of blasters, we think of you know starships and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And but all the different universes you just named every single different setting you just named has different technology yeah like firefly i mean they're blasting bullets around like it's like a western Mm sci-fi star wars obviously you got blasters uh they're you know red and green those are the only models uh (laughs) stormtroopers can't hit shit like everybody knows how how star wars works but star trek all the technology and the universe has been put together to make quick tea which you know i'm not i wouldn't be complaining but uh, so, does technology make science fiction? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the definition of science fiction. It's it's mm-hmm. science that's gone beyond, um, you know, what we can do now. Uh, you know, even you know, Terminator is science fiction. You know, it involves time travel and and you know, cyborgs from the future. So it's a, uh, you know, clearly science fiction. Though it mm-hmm. all takes place on Earth, like you were saying, that not all science fiction necessarily has to take place. In space, um, what was another one? Uh, AI. That uh, that movie was another Earth-based, you know, not, uh, movie type of thing. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot you can do with um, sci-fi if you want to stay, you know, on, on a single place. It's also it's also restrictive to the genre because once you go past the fact that you're using science, you go into the fantasy realm. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of there's a lot of science fiction fantasy <coughs> games out there. Uh, yeah. One of one of them being Warhammer 40k, mm-hmm. and you know that you know while it does have overtones of science, uh, the fact is as a, lo- a lot of the concepts within the game are purely fantasy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and once you go that direction, you've actually, in my opinion, left science fiction. Do you yeah. think Star Wars does that? Yeah. Like, oh sure, science yeah. Fantasy. It, yeah, it walks a very close line. I mean, you know, uh, the uh, the you know, the powers of the Jedi are are clearly not science, but they're um they don't quite go all the way into you know the the fantasy room in my opinion mm-hmm. i think i think once you blast lightning out of your fingers you have crossed <laughs> over to fantasy <laughs> that's the benchmark ladies yeah, and gentlemen that's it good night thank you for tuning in to roll up and die <laughs> cross the line <laughs> you are now into a fantasy game. That's a really good point, actually. And and yeah, when you think of the Force, you think of that's magic, right? Yeah. Sure. And I guess you know a better way to phrase my question is, you know, how do you start a discussion about technology in a in a science fiction setting? And and we're, we'll include science fantasy like Star War, Star mm. Wars and stuff like that. But uh, how do you talk about technology in sci-fi when there's so many different settings with different tech? Like, what is I don't know. What is your favorite? If if you guys had a go to uh, technology mark for sci fi, what would you pick? I don't necessarily have a go to favorite for technology, but the one thing it has to be is believable. You know, you have to you have to buy into it, and when you do that, you want to keep it as simple as possible. A great example is the Firefly universe. The only technology they had to develop for the entire universe that they created was. Um, was was the it was humans quantum understanding of gravity once they understood how to how to manipulate gravity all the technology was plausible 
you know you could you could create fusion you know small fusion reactors you can terraform uh terraform a planet you could helioform a star you can do all these things by manipulating gravity you can create drive that you know we'd reduce the mass of a ship you create artificial gravity for the ship so that one little thing is the only place where you really sort of have to suspend disbelief and say Mm -hmm. okay so i guess that that's kind of my benchmark for me is the fewer places where you have to suspend disbelief the better and and i mean i i personally love when sci-fi includes some real science in it you know I, i love that that sort of thing for me awesome uh, for me, um, okay, go continue. I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead, man. Um, I think for me, the when you're talking about science fiction where fantasy is kind of eliminated, I think Battlestar Galactica got it right. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that you know, just if you even forget about playing games, I mean, if you watch the show, space combat is stellar. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. Zero. Oh, yeah. it, it's. I mean, they got it right. They're dealing with completely scientific. Uh, ordeals, you know, mm-hmm. cloning, cloning, wormholes, all these things that, you know, are, are within the grasp of human science are in that show. And still, when they go further into that at the end, when they go into the metaphysical, then, you know, that was when I kind of broke off. But I think that ultimately the majority of the series is really science fiction. Mm-hmm. And that, as far as a game is concerned, uh, I, I think that would probably be my first choice for a really hardcore science fiction game. That's a good call, actually. And if you're, you know, if you just get on YouTube, just look up if there, if it exists, a video of the uh, the Vipers landing on the Battlestar. Mm. Mm. Just look at them landing because it's zero G, so they're like, it's more like they're crashing into the runway and they're mm. bouncing yeah. around because there's no gravity. That that is, it's so weird to say. I love that show. I'm really happy you brought that up, Andre. We actually had like. A whole episode about it, a lot of bleeping. It was weird, but we. Uh, uh, but that—that's my favorite visual out of that entire show—is watching these stupid starships land on the Battle Star, all hunky dory or other words. But yeah, like uh, super, super realistic. Absolutely, I agree. Well, yeah, and when you see the Vipers moving through space, you know they don't—they don't turn like airplanes do in the sky. They—they they can just. You know they can just rotate and be still traveling in the same direction. You know yeah, because I mean, there's no there's no air resistance to, that they can kind of catch on. It's it's a. Uh, uh, I also love how they, they they didn't quite eliminate the sound, but they they dulled it down in space, which I liked. You know they you, you still heard a little bit of it, but it was it was a lot more muted, and I, I, I it was it was a good uh, a good effect. I thought. Mm-hmm. I found myself looking at the sub propulsion jets to see if when they fired it matched if the Viper would turn the right way. I would like rewind it. <laughs> I would be like, did that one fire the right way? <laughs> I'm concerned for Starbuck. Okay, exactly. I'm, I'm doing this for her. Yeah, I want to make sure she's plotting the correct trajectory here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of my favorite scenes in that, not, not to get off on a whole Battlestar Galactica tangent here, but when... Uh, when Starbuck rescues Apollo, uh, you know when they when she locks her Viper with his and, and like flies him into the Galactica before it jumps. Yep. one of my favorite scenes in the whole series. That's a great, it's scene. awesome. <laughs> and, and I think that you know Battlestar Galactica, awesome tech. At the yeah. same time, Star Wars, awesome tech. And for me, I think the biggest thing is <clears throat> consistency. Yeah, like creating the environment that you know contains this tech and sticking with it. To the point where the the players 
and the players' characters, no, the players get a really good hang of it and can mm-hmm. start to refer to it. Like if your if your players say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna check the FTL drive," and you know, let's say hypothetically that you made that term up, you're yeah. doing it good. Yeah. And uh, the other thing too is to you want to keep you want to give the the players something to uh, hold on to, uh, kind of an anchor. Um, uh, for example, you can have stuff like the force. You can have stuff like blasters. You can have stuff like lightsabers. You can have that technology in there, as long as things like gravity work normally. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as um, uh, you know there there other physics work normally. As, as long as the rest of the universe seems to work as the universe should work, people can buy the other stuff. Um, it's 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 if you it's it's finding that. That place where where you can't go beyond uh, beyond that point and make it just a little too ridiculous, and mm-hmm. the, and that they can't suspend disbelief enough, whether it's a movie or a role playing game, like finding that f- creating a normal world and then finding those very you know specific places to make it abnormal and cool and magical and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. consistently having those and right, and, and, and yeah, as you said, world. consistency is vital. Because once you get past a certain point, um, you it becomes harder to suspend disbelief. Uh-huh. You know, once once you're once you're past a, a certain level of uh, what a what a species can do. I mean, if they can uh, uh, go, go, let's look, let's take a look at Star Trek. You have a race like the Organians who can essentially, um, you know, they're 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 pure energy and they can manipulate almost. They can manipulate reality itself. So, you know, kind of cool for a sci-fi show that they interact with, but not so cool for a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. You know, because then you obviously can't have the players playing that because where's the fun in it? And if you include them in the game as as any kind of thing that they will interact with, it, they're going to feel like, well, what can we do? We can't do anything. You know, right. this the species can pretty much do whatever the hell it wants, and so yeah. there's no point in interact, no point in interacting with them. Right. And another thing is finding something to contend that is equal to that magnitude and impact within yeah. the game. I mean, when you're talking about a TV show, you're talking about you know a completely different motive. A TV show can send messages and and could finish on a high note or on yeah. a low note. But in games, um, you really have to, you know, you're, you're dealing with adversarial engagement. And yeah. when, when the magnitude and the impact of something is so large where, you know, I'm just going to roll around and just start destroying planets. Well, but, well I'm going to get you with my planet killer. Um, you know, it just, it just, it's too much. It's too yeah. much. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, like, let's take the Death Star for an example, because that's the literal planet killer that I can think of right now. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the the Star Wars Death Star. Um, you know, let's say Star Wars is a role-playing game. I do not think the Game Master statted out the Death Star. I, I think things, like, of that magnitude, right? Uh, <laughs> I can't do the Admiral Akbar voice, but I would. Um <laughs> Firepower of that magnitude. Uh, (laughs) You know, that's not something that you stat out. That's a story. uh, That's a narrative-based 
that's a narrative right. point in the game. Yeah. That's something you like you use to say this planet just got destroyed by the Death Star. You don't roll for it and say, well, half of all the oh, the Deaths gone, are missed. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oops. They fumbled and exploded. Oh, yeah, but I think I think it's natural and intuitive for each GM to kind of get that. You know, yeah. I think I don't think the GMs you know want to overpower their games. I think that they want to mm-hmm. have. You know, the nemesis be, you know, have the potential to kill everyone and everyone's fighting to get that person. I mean, ultimately, you know, either even if you're playing a campaign where there's bad guys involved that, that are your PCs, you know, the fact remains is that you don't want to overpower your game. And something of that, you know, with that much power behind it just doesn't make for a game that is interesting, at least to me. Yeah. You know, I think when it came, when it, if, it, if that were a game, though, I think if it comes down to it you know and you have this death star that this you know everyone knows we can't defeat the death star then all of a sudden you're like as a gm you're like oh crap man they're right they can't defeat it so i'm gonna come up with these bullshit plans like oh yeah, yeah we know a single starfighter needs to fire photon tor- <laughs> proton torpedoes not photon torpedoes all the fans are shitting their britches right now sorry uh, <laughs> and, and into this exhaust vent yeah that's that's how it works and and all the players are like oh now we can do it okay awesome and then they you know then i stat out the x-wing then i you know we do that fun encounter and then boom the death star explodes um but you're right andre in that the more technology you have just like the more magic you have just like the the more of anything you have the less special that technology is going to be if you have (laughs) more planet killing ability if everybody can kill planets and everyone and people are killing planets like like they're you know popping balloons left and right then it's like what where's the where's the the spirit in that where's the cool factor in that anymore and it goes without saying that you can make it fun but mm-hmm. the the idea of making it fun is much more of a challenge you'd have to do a lot mm-hmm. more work with the pcs and preparation in order to to try and because it, it can't be the focal point of your campaign is what i'm starting to say yeah. you can yeah, make it work absolutely you know? not it, it well because if you think about it the 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 first Star Wars was obviously written by you know one person. The whole story is put together by one person, so you can control what happens. Right. As uh, if you're in a role playing game as a GM, you have no control of what the uh, over what the players are going to do, and so you can set up this Death Star, you know, that's going to destroy, you know, begin destroying star systems, and your players could just as easily say it's like we can't fight that. We're going to head off to the edge of the galaxy on the other side to, to yep. stay as far away from this thing as possible. Yep. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> because there's no way we can fight that. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure we've run away twice in our Star Wars campaign. <laughs> run away. Yeah, no, but I, I, I think, but that's an amazing point that Alex just made is that, you know, ultimately... You know, the fate of the storyline is in the players' hands. And I think that yeah. players, players also make the, the proper decisions. They also want to have fun. Yeah. And they, mm-hmm. they also don't want to OP themselves. You know what I mean? They want, they want to experience something that makes sense, like what Alex said before. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah, they want to experience something that makes sense. And they want to do what any gaming group wants to do, regardless of genre. They want to experience cool stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you're trying to figure out what type of technology to include in your sci-fi game or your fantasy game or whatever game, like, dude, have a session zero. Or text your players and be like, hey, are you cool with blasters or would you rather revolvers? Yeah. Like, 
what kind of tech are we talking? And then get like some sort of consensus that you can all agree on. Like this sounds awesome before you start your campaign and really, you know, do it. And I think that if you're doing a Star Wars game, that's sort of impossible. Like if right, if it's an established setting, yeah. you can't yeah. really Let's do Star Wars, but without lightsabers, without blasters, and instead, every, the, uh, the Death Star is a giant pinata. Yeah. Like, well, wait. Star Wars is cheating. Uh, but, like, for yeah. example, if, if I were to engage my players and say, hey, let's play Blue Planet, they go, well, what, what's, what's involved with that, you know? They, they, yeah. There's one thing that I think is that we need to talk about. Lead, uh, hopefully, we, hopefully we do. Is there has to be a specific level of investment that each player and GM makes mm. to, underst- to understand the science. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. And yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a big science nerd. I love. I love. Uh, I, I, I most of my feed is is science channels where there's new discoveries and new tech coming out, that sort of thing. So. Um, I, I love incorporating real science into my games. Even the the Star Trek, the more recent Star Trek game that I was running, uh, I um, there was a, a a planet that they had to get to, but it was in orbit around a black hole, and and so I, I I did some research to find out, well, could a planet be in orbit around a black hole, and why would it be in orbit around a black hole, and 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 so I came I I did enough research to figure out a way to make it plausible. So that they would have to, you know, take a certain route to get in, and and um, and even if it never came up in game, I know it works, and yeah, I, right. and I can make it sound a lot more plausible because I did the research into it, and yep. even when I, even when I was doing the traveler game uh, with same old G, I I, um, uh, I did a little bit of research about uh, my character and and what you know. Um, what would make sense for him to know just so even if i didn't you know wasn't certainly wasn't an expert i could i could uh speak a lot of techno babble that would make that would that would sound good and sound plausible enough yeah yeah you got to be careful i think like i love science uh, and i i love history and i, mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm a big nerd about subjects like that but i i i'm also under the impression that there's there are few things worse in gaming than one a gm that is so into the science or history behind their setting that it's unbendable and a player that's the exact same way and Mm -hmm. a gm that lectures (laughs) oh god yeah (laughs) that's not the way it's supposed to work because physics get out of here go home (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me explain for 30 minutes before we start our game yeah. why the FTL drive works yeah. and how it works. It's like, no, I just want to go faster than light. Like, really, that's all I want to do. <laughs> like, like Andre, you know, and I keep going back to Star Wars because Star Wars has awesome technology. And, you know, aside from the stupid midichlorians plot line, it doesn't have to explain it. Like, yeah. when, when we were right. playing our first Tides of Change game and you said when we went to light speed... Mm-hmm. And you said that the stars turned into star lines. For some reason in me that like cracked open a childhood box and let out like all of my dreams. Like, cause I've played in so many star Wars games and I've never gone to light speed and I don't need to, <laughs> to know that. Well, stars actually don't do that. Or this is why they do that because it's not about why right. something is. It's about how awesome something is. And that's, that's my perspective though. 
Mm-hmm. It's Star Wars is so it's a it's it's so easy though because it's so intu- yeah, it it's so intuitive you know what I mean everybody already knows what to expect so you know but uh, I don't think true. that I don't think that I could get away with that with other games though um, so so let's talk about like a game like Traveler or Blue mm-hmm. Planet or something like that how do you go about you know w- what are the technology levels in some of these games how do you go about choosing it. Well, that, that's where you want to sit down and talk with the players, and, and like you were saying, decide what what the group wants as a whole. Do you want blasters? Do you want uh, do you want to push the envelope into the fantasy realm like Star Wars, or do you want to bring it like way way back more into the uh, uh, the more mundane sort of like uh, uh, well like Alien or um, a, a great uh, movie. Uh, one of my favorites was Outland with Sean Connery. Um, you know, you want to bring it back more into a. Uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. I, I guess more science based. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, it's not the right word, but you know what I'm saying. Just yes. kind of bring it back into in, into that that sort of realm. So find out where you want to be in that spectrum, and it's it's a, it's a pretty wide spectrum because, um, uh, you know, you can have something that's close to light speed you can have something that goes a little bit faster than light speed and then you can have you know uh stuff like in star wars with his you know hyperspace you can have stuff in star trek with his warp drive and and go you know really out there so you can kind of decide where you want to be in that and i think yeah, yeah but finding what the players want from the game before you even start is is critical i think traveler is pretty much untouchable when it comes to sci-fi um i think what do you mean like the best I think I, th- I think it's pretty much the best out there as far as RPGs are concerned. It is the yeah. mo- it's the most versatile. It's the most detailed. It's the most well written. Mm. It is. Uh, I mean, I mean, Traveler is pretty much the standard. And well, it's been around you- forever. <laughs> yeah, I used to play. I used to play that back uh, we, when we were, when we started playing the original D anD D. We would play Traveler every now and again when we wanted to just take a break. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We, that was a long time ago. So you have all those years of development and, you know, you have you have a refined system of science fiction that, you know, is pretty much. So, you know, if it's going back to the original question, how do you decide what you want to do? Uh, you could go Alex's direction and say, you know, have that consultation with the players and say, yeah, you know, what do you guys want? Or you could surprise them because, mm-hmm. you know, if they're if they play Traveler or if they ha- have mm-hmm. never played Traveler, I'm sure they'll be pleasantly surprised because I don't think that the mechanics oh, yeah. are going to the, the mechanics and the game itself are not going to lend to a bad experience. No. no it, I have it, made six Traveler characters in my gaming tenure mm-hmm. and I have played in zero games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love rolling characters in Traveler. Mm-hmm. It is the best character creation system I think of any role-playing game ever and like, you can die during it. Yeah. I was gonna. I was just gonna say it's one of the few systems where you can actually die during character creations. Yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> it gets uh, extra points for that. Yep, and that's a uh, that's also an invitation. Anybody listening, and anybody here in this podcast, you ever want to watch uh, run a traveler one shot? I'm in it. Dibs. <laughs> nice. So. Um, before we get to the question from our audience, uh, I want to throw something in here that I uh, that is more related to the last episode where we were talking about technology and fantasy mm-hmm. RPGs. But in a way, it kind of relates to this one as well. And it was one of those scenarios where I was thinking about it, and I knew it, and then I reread about it, and I was like, why didn't I bring this up? So 
Um, I think it's important to remember that historically, okay, if we're talking about fantasy settings, right? You got bows mm-hmm. and arrows, and and if we're going to put a little technology in our fantasy settings, so we're we're going to add, you know, guns. And historically, guns were just the most useless. invention ever like muskets compared to the bow and arrow they were less deadly they had a shorter range they were less accurate like they were horrible the only reason they were good is that you didn't need years and years of training to use one that's right you could just have tons of people holding these muskets and pulling the trigger at the same time and uh so so keep in mind that the the more advanced technology doesn't have to be better than the less mm. th- than someone who's using a bow and arrow that's been trained for years and years and how to h- hit their target. Same goes with blasters and and guns and uh, in your sci-fi setting too. I think. Yeah, definitely, and I, I, I like settings where there's a mix-up of of technologies as well, where there's uh, we can go to different planets that have different tech levels, and uh, yeah. you know. Encounter different ships with different tech levels. I like that 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 mix up. So, so so far in the episode, just you know, watch Star Wars, watch Battlestar Galactica, and play Traveler. I think that's <laughs> no <doubt>. so <laughs> true. So uh, let's take a question from our listeners. Um, uh, as always, we are on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Roll Up and Die. And you can uh, go to our Facebook page, and once a week we'll post what we're talking about, and you can post your questions for us, and the one with the most likes will become answered. Now, I'm pretty sure we already uh, answered one of these before, but I can't really remember which one it was. You're going to have to help me out, Alex. (laughs) Um, uh, I have one here from... uh, from Sam D. How do you describe technology that might be completely foreign to your world in a way to really incite the wonder and possible danger of this technology. Um, I don't think we answered that one in the last podcast. I don't remember, but... Uh, let's let's but answer it again and see if we disagree with ourselves. That's what I think we should do. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're talking in different contexts. Now we're talking about a sci-fi universe where yeah, or a sci-fi role-playing game, so it's going to be a different situation. Um, Baller. In, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a world where... You know where magic exists, they're going to see it as magic of some sort. But mm-hmm. in a sci-fi universe, they're just going to, they they can perhaps understand it more as advanced technology, let's say. So um, it's going to have a very different uh, uh, kind of a different impact, I guess. For sure. Well, well, okay. So uh, if if I can jump in this first, because yeah. it's the answer I always give for this type of question. Uh, <laughs> How can I, how would I describe technology that might be completely foreign in a way to incite wonder and possible danger? Ironically, I wouldn't introduce that technology uh, until far into the campaign, mm-hmm. and then I would introduce it because then it's something different. If you're like, oh my god, I want I want uh, super repeating blasters that that blow up enemies' heads, and I want the the players to be like, oh, that's so cool. So I'm going to give all the players one of them, and I'm going to give all the enemies one of them, and they're going to be everywhere. That's the, that's really yeah. two steps back because now they're not wondrous. Now they're <laughs> not, uh, um, excuse me. Now they're not rare or exciting because everybody's got them. So make it rare and wait a little bit to introduce it uh, yeah. in order to make it cooler. I think. 
Well, yeah, um, but the the other thing you can do that's cool though is you can hint at it and kind of and kind of uh, create this sort of build up to it. So you know, uh, you you find you find you find the uh, the the sh- entire ship has been wiped out, and mm-hmm. all the, all the all the occupants have been you know transformed into jello, you know. So you know what what technology could have done this, and so you, now you're you're planting the seed where they have to kind of think about it, and you sort of lead up to the final discovery of this new technology or advanced technology or whatever it is, or new, or new advanced species or whatever you're bringing into nice. the campaign. I think the GM has to shift his narrative to the mindset of the low-tech species. You know, the fact is, is that when you're talking about high-tech to low-tech, it is the GM's responsibility to always assume the narrative style of the low-tech species so that mm. when they experience it, it makes sense to them. And I mean, it almost you almost have to treat the technology as if it's magic. It has to be yeah. some form of mystic yeah. experience for them because it's unexplained. It's unexplainable. So you got to kind of shift that narrative that way. That's a really awesome way of putting it, Andre. And it, it kind of makes you kind of maybe turn your turn your back on my whole, you know, thing of talk to your players about what kind of technology they want before the game because, you know, just because how cool it would be if you don't talk to them and then all of a sudden they find, you know, the iPad in their finest in their fantasy setting or the, all of a mm-hmm. sudden they see a lightsaber and it's like whoa. Right. Whoa. Uh, I yeah. I found the spirit of my sister behind a magic glass. Yes. That yeah. you, you know, I mean, these are the that's the way it works is that you got to you got to you got to bring your your narrative down to the low tech species. I love that, man. That's friggin' uh, on a, this podcast is worth the f- forty five minutes just for that advice. <laughs> That's baller. <laughs> oh man. Well, well, and even more specifically, the the, the level of the players, since that since they're the the uh, observers, they're the ones who are sort of experiencing all of this. So mm-hmm. they're they're, they're going to be the 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 baseline for the rest of the universe, essentially. For sure. So let's jump in and take another question because we got a little time. Um, this is, if you guys, are, if you guys yeah, are yeah. okay with that, cool. Uh, this is from Nate V. I'm just going to say it is Nate Vanderzee from WASD20. Um, mm-hmm. How do you run a game in a very advanced sci-fi society? Uh, uh, in parentheses, incredibly fast travel, instantaneous communication, nearly unlimited access to information end parentheses, without making things too easy on the players. Are these things a little too game-breaking? No. Giving, oh, no. All right, do it. (laughs) No, they're not. Because uh, from the experience of the characters, you know, on behalf of the players, it is the the world that they live in. Mm -hmm. So those experiences have to be a-casual to the game. They can't be, you know, you can't make it so important that they're traveling at, 20 times faster than light it just you just have to say you travel and then you, that you don't even give details you you nullify the importance of the technology to the point in which it becomes a, a casual part of their existence and then yeah. you work on other things mm. <clears throat> yeah I, yeah I, I like that man make it every day yeah and see, I I think the only downside that you know fast travel and you know instant communication everywhere. I think the only downside to that is that 
if you're it makes the world feel a little bit smaller and it's it would be very if you're not careful it'd be very easy to lose the sense of urgency like oh god we got to get this to this place and you know right now if you can get there instantaneously if you can talk to him instantaneously um and and you're not you know creative with it you can't you can paint yourself into a corner mm. but i think that's you know one of the things i always disliked about fantasy games is the phrase don't split the party you know because and you know that's funny on a couple levels and yeah don't split the party because the gm planned these encounters for all four of you and now it's two of you so you're gonna die but i think (laughs) splitting the party happens in all the most epic stories lord of the rings i mean the party gets split at the end of the first movie spoilers but like i mean every like every single great story that i can think of off the top of my head people get split up and instant communication um uh, faster than light travel, uh, unlimited access to information, things like that allow for splitting the party and it allows it to stay interesting and it you don't have to switch from player to player and go back and forth with two different storylines anymore because they can communicate instantaneously. I think that offers up a lot of opportunities. I, I agree with Andre. Yeah. I, th- I think another, another movie, if I could refer- reference one, if you don't mind, that really delves into extremely advanced technology, but it's not the point of the movie, is Jupiter Ascending. Mm. I don't know. I've I've not seen it. I mean, you have people, you know, opening the eye of Jupiter up and having an entire civilization under the toxic clouds. I mean, these people... And and what was the point of the story? It was was a story about monarchs. And princes, yeah. and, and it was it was a fantasy story that didn't revolve around the tech. The tech was just a part of their existence. It was such an unimportant factor. It looked great on the in, on the video, but the mm. ex, the storyline was really that kind of um, Game of Thronesy, yeah, uh, thing. You know, yeah. Well, and even Star Wars was a very old sort of template. Yeah. Um, that they used for the for the story and uh, just put put on the, the the veneer of sci-fi and sure. made it new again. Sure. And so, yeah, you you can you can definitely use a lot of the same stories you might use for any fantasy game or um, you know any any other game in a sci-fi setting, like you say. Just you know, you just make the technology, you know, kind of just, just part of it. Yep. It's, not, it's not anything special. It's just everyday life. Yeah. Don't sacrifice story at the altar of technology. That's yeah. it. That's it. Keep that stuff in. So, uh, Do you guys want to make uh, something we do, Andre, at the end of every episode? We'll make an idea that the listeners can steal. Um, do you guys want to make uh, a setting? Do you guys want to just come up with a weapon or an item? Uh it's the the most difficult part i think is that it's difficult to make something that hasn't been made i think yeah well sci-fi is also a very broad category too so yeah um, so, so let's make a setting i think right. we should make just a basic skeletal structure like of a setting and i'm going to roll this d6 i'll be 1 and 2 alex you'll be 3 and 4 and uh, andre you'll be 5 and 6 and so I got a four. So Alex, all right, go first. Start describing this setting. 
Okay, so we're, we're going to limit this setting to a, uh, a single star system. The uh, uh, the species on this on this planet have begun to sort of um, actually, you know, we're going to say that this that this is an old Earth colony, and they mm. they 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 long ago lost contact with Earth, you know, hundreds of years ago, and so they've they begun to sort of develop their own uh, their own their own cultures and own technology, and um, it's uh, uh, I'm going to say that it's a uh, uh, we'll call it. We'll say it's a binary star system, and um, they're in the they're in the they're in a, a state right now where um, they're running out of resources because they they can they sort of counted on the uh, the resources coming in from from outside before, but now since this they've been cut off and they don't know why um, they're they're sort of scrambling, and so there's a there's a sort of of uh, difficulty in, in, in getting basic, you know, basic life, uh, life preserving resources mm -hmm. that they need to get. Okay, cool. All right. So we got a single star system. That's actually a binary star system, mm -hmm. uh, been cut off from earth and, uh, kind of a scrounging around for resources. I like it. Okay. That's a three. So that's going to be me. Uh, I'm going to take, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal an idea, and I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow from a video game called Planet Side. Uh, it's a very got actually a very similar plot structure to that in that you know it was a colony <laughs> from Earth. Uh, they went through a wormhole, and the wormhole closed, and it never opened back up. And uh, what happened was um, actually it, arguably it could have been because of, of scrounging for resources, but in the game it was more of like a, a trying to seize power. So I think that what happens is. A civil war just immediately erupts in this star system, and so the setting is this you know these series this number of planets that are revolving around this uh, uh, that are circling or you know around this binary star system and the there's a civil war of three different factions fighting each other over ground supplies and things like that and you know, maybe those three different factions uh, are different from each other in certain physical and, I don't know, philosophical ways. Mm. So I'm going to roll a die, Andre, and one through six is you. So let's see. That's a four. So, Andre, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so the three factions uh, are built as such. One is an imperial technocracy uh, bent on trying to find out the secrets of the parallel universe that they have unco uncovered by particle smashing. Uh, they're doing this because they believe or hope that the resources necessary uh, to replenish the livelihood of the masses within the star system are there. The other is a manufactured-based uh, corporatocracy that controls the very limited and remaining resources within the star system. Uh, they continually battle with this uh, monarchical te technocracy. And the basis for, th for their interests is that they want to maintain scarcity because the majority of the resources that are scarce within the system are actually not scarce. They're just simply hoarded by this gigantic corporatocracy. 
And then the, the, the last is uh, a, general, uh, a general people's republic that revolves around the remaining edge of, the galax uh, of this specific galaxy that uh, takes the commonwealth of the, of the people into account and tries to leverage between both of these majority, uh, both of these large forces uh, to maintain some type of living standard for the peoples that go to and fro within the galaxy. Oh, dude. And what's perfect about that is we're talking about the different settings, the different sci-fi settings and the different levels of technology. You have three factions there, and you can do it. You can set it up so that uh, that, that, that People's Republic, you know, they're going to be more of like the Firefly or Serenity type of uh, mm -hmm. technology level. You know, they're going to have their guns and their brown coats. Uh, the uh, the corporate uh, the corporate group, the corporate faction, is going to be, you know, they're, they're going to have, like, you know, machine guns and, you know, really high-powered bullets and stuff like that and some advanced technology as well. Well, the technocracy is going to be super advanced in technology, like we're blasters and stuff like that. Maybe, you know, this, maybe they have access to, to this sort of tech or something like that on their planet. Now, that mm. doesn't have to be the exact case, but... That, the, just having three different factions allows you to experiment with that a lot. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Nice. I like it. Andre, dude, that was good. <laughs> Welcome to Roll Up and Die. Thank you. If it weren't for you, mm -hmm. I think uh, Alex and I, and I'm speaking for me, not for Alex, I think we would have dropped the ball with Matt gone again. I just I feel like... I don't know. We miss our bro. Matt's awesome. And so is he Alex. Is. I'm totally speaking for me because I'm like, <laughs> there's a lot of Matt love going on. There's a lot of awesome. Let it flow. <laughs> let it flow. Uh, oh, man. The, the thing that was hard for me with this was uh, avoiding talking about, like, alien species because I'm I'm, I'm really interested in, in alien biology and different alien species and the... Uh, we're focusing on technology, so it's like I have to keep reminding myself. And so. we also did an episode about did, okay. aliens. So. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think we did all right. I um, I think uh, our Lord and Savior, Matt Click, will be happy with us. <laughs> um, all hail. Hail Matt. <laughs> and, hail, uh, hail Matt. Hashtag, hashtag hail Matt. Hashtag uh, uh, geoclicking. <laughs> you got to make that a thing. And uh, Matt, we hope you're having an awesome time on your on your honeymoon, on your road trip. And thank you, listeners, as always, uh, for tuning in. Uh, check out Star Wars: The Tides of Change at Facebook.com slash. Uh, I think it's pages. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Star Wars: The Tides of Change. Awesome. Yes, Definitely. you can also. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great, and you can also just get on Facebook and search Star Wars: yeah. The Tides of Change. You'll find it. Join the group. Uh, join the the game. Even if you're not playing in a game, you're actually kind of playing in the game. Yep. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to Roll Up and Die. My name is Barker, and my name is Alex, aka Captain Gothnog. And I am not Matt. I am Andre, <laughs> and I would like to thank you guys for having me here today. Dude, thanks anytime. for coming. In. Yep. We'll see you next week. All right. And I'm All talking right. to you, Andre, not the listener. <laughs> 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 This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2015. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. 
You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.